All right, welcome everybody to the first episode of the Adam Meeples podcast, presented by Japanime Games. I'm your host, Brother Ming, and joined with me today is my lovely co-host, Eric Zarain. Hello, dear listener. <laughs> this is the first episode of our brand new podcast. We are the cross-section of anime and board games, uh, the leading purveyor of podcast form of both those hobbies intersected. Uh, because we are the only one. So either this market doesn't exist or it's untapped. And I like to think it's the latter. And it's not. <laughs> I really hope it is, because otherwise we're just two dudes uh, talking into a microphone for no damn reason. <laughs> but okay, so I, my name is Ming. I go by Brother Ming. So I am online. I make some anime board games for fun. They're mostly hobby projects. And uh, Eric here, my lovely co-host, is uh, a the finest purveyor of elite anime opinions only only the finest anime opinions <laughs> only the <laughs> my anime opinions are so fine <laughs> yes because we'll get to that in a contrast to my shit anime opinion so <laughs> we make a good team you like to think that because my opinions have some amount of analysis to them in any regards that i'm a hyper elitist as comparison to Man, it's got robots. That's cool. <laughs> but, That's you know. not. Uh, I, it's hard for me to argue against that because I don't think I'm a mecha fan, but like most of my favorite anime tend to be mechas. Yeah, you're a mecha fan, dude. I guess that, so. Like, why are you playing yourself? I guess so. I'm a mecha. Everybody's a mecha fan. Mecha is just like a thing that exists. It's not like I guess it's a genre. But, oh man, we can go deep into what is and is not a genre. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> Attack on Titan is just a mech anime, right? Uh, yeah, sure, I'm fine with that. <laughs> it's also it's also a Super Sentai, right? Because they like get in a big suit and fight. Ah, that's you know. true. Uh, okay, so we are here to talk about anime, board games, and everything in between. Uh, this is our first episode, but after our next two episodes, we are going to be bringing on guests from Japanime Games, uh, various designers, artists, uh, even publishers, uh, and just all kinds of guests from the board gaming industry who also happen to be big anime nerds. Uh, the anime fandom within the board game community is a blossoming one, and uh, we are here to uh, nurture and guide it in a direction that I deem fit. <laughs> the power. So, moving on to our very first segment of our very first episode, what have we been watching? So we're going to be talking about a lot of seasonal anime here because me and Eric both are big seasonal anime watchers and just anime watchers in general. But yeah, so, okay, Eric, hit me with what are a couple of your favorite anime this season so far. A couple of my favorites, huh? Uh, I'll give two favorites. One, Mob Psycho 102. Since that's the second season, let's not spend too much time on it. Uh, it's actually fantastic. Uh, the directing is great. And just the way that it manages to actually surprise me, someone who's very jaded and almost seems unsurprisable, <laughs> uh, is actually really good. Like you can't call it, you can't call anything coming, but it also doesn't feel like they just pulled it out of thin air that it wasn't just like, haha, you know, it's been like this the whole time. Talking about Mob Psycho 2 seems kind of pointless though, because it's it's kind of played out in the community, I'm sure. You know, everyone's already gone on forums, talked about it extensively. The real gem that I want to talk about is Domestic Girlfriend. <laughs> and so here's where I'm going to get on my high horse and talk about why I love Domestic Girlfriend. 
and how it made me kind of forget to be an anime elitist every time I watch an episode because it's so stupid and so just doesn't give a hot damn about <laughs> like how dumb it is that it's crossed over from being so bad it's good to just good. <laughs> it went so far down the line that now it is wrapped back around to just good. That is a high, high opinion. And all I know about the show is a synopsis. <laughs> and <laughs> the synopsis is what's amazing about it. Because you read the synopsis. The synopsis is a guy has a crutch on his teacher. And then one day he randomly engages in uh, intercourse with a stranger. It then later turns out that these people will become his sisters. And you're like, what? <laughs> this is some garbage like uh, Arrow Manga Sensei. Well, whatever. It's some garbage. I'm not going to watch it. And that's what happened. I didn't watch it. And so four weeks in, I find myself kind of bored on YouTube. I get myself in one of those videos, top openings of the season. And I see the opening for Domestic Girlfriend. And it's it's very like dramatic. The the plot summary doesn't make it sound dramatic, right? It makes it sound like Aramanga Sensei. I don't I disagree with that for him because Aramanga Sensei was really good. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's just like a that's a devil's advocate opinion and I know that's not a real opinion no it's a real opinion I own Aromanga Sese figurines <laughs> oh my god you've never told me I this. have not told you this oh, I own no. I have I have a ninjoid of Aromanga Sensei oh, no. and she's so cute of the sister <laughs> yeah of the sister. the sister she's so cute oh. I if they had an elf uh, Sensei Nendroid, I'd get one of her too because she is a great character. Dude, that show's good. That show's I good. Feel like, <laughs> by you've basically called yourself out in a horrible listen, way. Listen, I have shit taste and I embrace it. I am a, okay. After we mow off of this, I'm gonna tell you my anime of the season because it is even shittier than Domestic Girlfriend. <laughs> All right, but Domestic Girlfriend is good. I, my mine is actually bad. <laughs> All right, I want to hear yours now because I want to see how I want to compare and contrast it to Domestic Girlfriend. My shit anime of the season is called Magical Girl Spec Ops Asuka. And it is a fan servicey magical girl anime where girls who look like they're not 14 are 14 and they're magic girls who save the world. Uh, you know, as you do, as you do. But, dude, this anime is crazy. So, basically, you remember Madoka, right? Everybody's watched Madoka. If you haven't watched Madoka, go watch Madoka. Uh, and basically how Madoka was, like, deconstruct to see the genre, you know, subvert the expectations. This show essentially says, nah, Madoka didn't go far enough. Because Madoka's answers to expectations are also super unrealistic. Right? Because what did Madoka ask? It was like, uh, why is there a plushie with powers? Uh, oh, because the plushie's actually an evil orchestrator. Uh, and where do the evil witches come from? Oh, the evil witches are actually just fallen magical girls. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, no, Spec Ops Asuka is in 2016, all these evil plushie giant teddy bears. Why 2016? Does it matter that it's 2016? It, that's just what the anime chooses. 
2016. No, I'm sure. I'm sure that's what the manga shows or whatever, right? They just like dated themselves by some <laughs> arbitrary event that occurred in 2016, and they were like, "Yeah, let's put it in 2016." <laughs> in 2016, a bunch of giant uh, plushy bears uh, attack the Earth, and when they attack, a realm of mascot plushies come to the Earth to its defense and form contracts with all the governments of the earth saying we'll help you fight off these evil plushies as uh by forming co- uh, magical girl contracts with all of your 14 year olds <laughs> and that's how you're gonna fight these monsters off and all the governments were like okay and so <laughs> each government you know has their own magical girl there's a there's a america one uh whose magical girl name is magical girl just cause uh, she has big boobs, blonde hair, and her magical girl weapon are guns. <laughs> she can summon any gun she wants. <laughs> uh, so, okay, that's the premise of the show. But that's how it starts with the first two minutes. And then five minutes later, it goes to the jump sequence of the magical girls. There's only five of them. You know, dozens of them have died. And then they face off against the final boss, the last five. Uh, they defeat the final boss, and it goes three years later. And so you're like, oh, it's one of these kind of shows because now they're in high school. Uh, and basically, all the surviving Magic Girls have PTSD. And the main character is retired and it just like cuts to a news on the TV where like one of these Magic Girls was uh, cited uh, with a Mexican drug cartel. What? <laughs> it, just, <laughs> all right. it just takes it and- you were really losing me. Like, you were really going, and I was like, dude, this sounds worse and worse. And then you said, oh, she started with a Mexican drug cartel. And I'm like, all right. Okay. So- that's kind of cool, I guess. It's just. I can't deny that that's kind of cool. It's super dark. It's basically like the Magical Girls are veterans that the world doesn't know what to do with. And it's basically the main character has these, like, inner monologues as the first episode end, where she's like, we were promised that when we defeated the final boss, we would bring peace to Earth. But peace didn't come. The war just changed. And now our enemy are terrorists, drug dealers, <laughs> and humanity's greed. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Episode three is a beach episode, so they jump right into it. <laughs> Do they fight a Mexican drug cartel on the beach? Oh, my God. It is. Yeah, no, no. Dear listener, if you're listening, and you want to watch a good anime this season, definitely don't watch Domestic Girlfriend and go watch Magical Girl Spec Ops, Oscar. Definitely the newest subversion of the genre, and possibly it will be a genre definer. This will be a genre-defining moment. I'm telling you, Eric. No, no it won't. <laughs> it was like a 57% or whatever on any chart. It's not... <laughs> It it will be yet another seasonal anime that everyone will forget when it finishes. I always wondered who these anime were made for. Like, you know, when you get to the bottom of the charts and you're just kind of like, man, how do they keep getting enough money to make this stuff? And now I know that there's people like you who are like, man. We are a diverse representative show. And so all tastes are represented, Eric. (laughs) I'm honestly astounded by like, that's crazy. I'm going to have to watch it and honestly give you a real opinion on it. Everything is politics, Eric. Yeah, that's true. Talking about your favorite anime is politics. Exactly. Okay. My second really good trash anime this season is called The Price of Smiles. 
and it is a it is a Kogius wannabe. It is a mecha anime about uh, two countries. One country that has like no resources, so everybody's hungry, but they're like super militarized. And another country that's super soft, but they have all the vegetables. Uh, and they're fighting, right? But the main characters are like characters in the two sides, so the episodes jump back and forth. So it tries really hard to make you like invested in the idea that you know nobody's really evil in this war. Well, like. <laughs> The people who are evil are very clearly evil, and the people who have all the food are stupid. It's like Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Like Legend of the Galactic Heroes does that. Yes, it does exactly that and just does it really badly. But but the reason why the show is gold. I do love it. I, love it. I do really like it. I'm, I'm up to speed on it. But the other reason why I like it is it's so Crunchyroll does have a comment section, which I didn't know about until the show. <laughs> and I have, and since then, I I now look at the comment section of other shows, and no other show has gotten as much bullshit politics in their comments as this show. Because like someone actually sides with the with the evil. Yeah, literally, people something. are just like you know the evil. Oh, it's maybe you're just not capable of sympathizing with the evil empire. <laughs> maybe that's on you. Maybe you're everyone right. else actually can sympathize with the evil empire, and you just can't. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. But yeah, if you want another great anime, that's another recommendation from me. Let's go back to you. What are some other good anime this season, Eric? No, that's it. It's just a oh. <laughs> That and Mob Cycle? That can't be true. Okay, okay. I mean, like, yeah, I, I can go down the, like, I can go down the list. Dororo is fine. Uh, Kaguya-sama is a comedy. Therefore, it's automatically fine. We'll save that discussion for another okay. day. Boogie Pop is fine. Shield Hero, the first four episodes, really good. Everything after that, actual trash. So watch the first four episodes and stop watching. Uh, I live with a cat. I don't remember what it's called. My roommate is a cat. So That's what it's, it's called. It's so cute. I only watched the first episode, but it's so My roommate cute. with a cat is, it's fine. I don't have anything to say about these shows other than they're fine. They don't do anything remarkable. Okay. They're not like particularly noteworthy in any aspect. Okay, okay. So I'm going to dial you back. Oh, wait. Did you, are you watching... Um, so my actual favorite anime this season, that's good. Because I have favorite bad anime and favorite good anime. My favorite good anime this season is uh, is uh, The Promised Neverland. Have you been watching that? Yeah, of course. I watch everything. Oh, you don't have right. to watch you're everything. Right. I, I watch everything that's like in the top like 14. But uh, surprisingly, in a, in a strange twist of fate, Magical Girl Spec Ops is in position number 14. I don't know why I haven't watched it. Yeah, I'm a monster. But also, like, I also count, like, leftovers. So I'm watching Sword Art and Slime and JoJo's ah. and, you know, but, Index and uh, freaking Ace Attorney. So, like... Are you watching the Ace Attorney anime? So yeah, it's not good, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it because it lets me relive. Like, it's fun to play the Ace Attorney game where you're like, why did they make that writing decision? <laughs> Why did they choose to do it that way? It would have been much better if they did it this way. Like, and it's actually interesting because I think there's many different planners of like the episodes, like that, like sort out what thing go to what episode, what the pace is, what the lines are. Because there are some arcs, some of the arcs, like three out of like the ten of them that they've adapted so far, are actually great. Mm. They're like directed perfectly. But the problem is like just some of the other arcs are just very poor in the ones that are good they actually made changes that better suit anime as a medium instead of a literal visual novel like yeah. a ds but in the bad ones it's just they ripped up all the lines and they're just like oh yeah here you go and those just don't work. 
Man, yeah, no. I I got through the first and a half games. I got through the first game and then half the second one. And it just got too hard. Like, I couldn't beat it without using guides. At that point, I was like, I'm just reading a novel. Yeah, it's just a book. But It's a good book. It is. Raisha, my girlfriend, went through all of them. She's has much more patience than me. She's not any smarter. She also had to use guides. She's not any smarter when it comes to playing Ace Attorney. She's smarter in every other way. I disagree. Yeah. She's not an engineer. <laughs> so she makes bad life choices. <laughs> what? Look, we're not going to go into her, her life. I'm pretty sure she's going to make more money than you, but we'll just... Yeah, I, I really hope so. And then I can quit my job and just make anime podcasts all day. <laughs> Yeah, really, you should be banking. You should be like, oh, I hope my, I hope my wife like makes all this money, and then I can just make anime board games all the time. That is the dream. Yeah, that is the dream. Okay, so I guess you're right. Promise Neverland. I think the first episode just shook me so hard, but I guess it's not anything crazy new. I do really like. What? Okay, so the the shock episode, the shock. Factor first episode is overplayed at this point, in my opinion. That's true. I'm so done with shows that are like, oh, we got to front load literally as much stuff as possible because your attention, and I understand why. I understand the business. I understand why they do this. But it's just, it's so frustrating that I honestly think it would have been better if that revelation came about in the second or third episode with more time to develop. Mm. But because they're on this thing, they'll be like, oh, we got to make the first episode as tight as possible. We got to cook them yeah. on the first episode or they're not going to watch anymore. It suffers, in my opinion. And I know the manga is written that way, too. It's just like starts, boom, this this stuff happens. I think it's probably... I looked up what chapter it was because I was interested at the time, but I've forgotten now. Yeah, I mean... But it was, it was relatively short. It didn't go on for... Madoka basically did that. Like they, they didn't come to like that big twist until episode three. Yeah, yeah just the, the reverse twist first episode stuff is just like I'm just kind of getting over it. I think Boogie Pop does a great job of that. Like it, it doesn't play its hand till the end of the first arc, which I think is three episodes or four. I don't remember, and it's actually like super good. Boogie Pop reminds me of old school stuff like Bakano and Dura, Psychano as well. Yeah, I just I like those better because I get more time to be invested before it wows me. And I just gotta say, Mob Psycho does that real good. <laughs> Mob Psycho, Mob Psycho, the first season. Mob Psycho, the first season is like an eight for me, maybe like a seven. It's like a seven point five, I guess. Mob Psycho two is like an eight point five, like a whole point up, which is a ton in the way I scale stuff. Yeah, yeah, because uh, it's just honestly so surprising. And yeah, just so we're clear, I would give Magical Girl Spec Ops Asuka an eight. So my eights are great. Whereas Eric eights are perfect. That's a good way to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm recommending domestic girlfriend, but it's totally like a six, but it's great. <laughs> you should watch it. All right. So we've talked about the anime we're watching. Hopefully you're giving you an idea of who we are. Uh, so dear listening to catch you back up. We are the anime bills podcast uh, presented by Japan anime games. Uh, I'm your host, brother me. And in the coming weeks, we will be bringing on all kinds of guests from the uh, anime board game industry so people who work with japanima games artists designers uh you know all the sorts uh, and just people from the board game industry who are also fascinated with anime but for the first two episodes we have no guests so it's just us baby uh <laughs> but our second segment which is board game related not just anime related uh usually we would interview 
our plan is to interview the guests and ask them what their favorite anime and board game is. Uh, so, for these two episodes, let's just interview ourselves. Eric. Hello, I am a guest. What is your favorite anime board game? Anime board game Tonto Cure, not because we're sponsored by Japanime Games, but just because it was the first anime board game I got. And I was like, whoa, this is everything I ever wanted. It's anime and a board game at the same time. And it's not too like cheese ball. Like it's not like you know how like some of those games, what's the one you always that you have that's super raunchy? Uh <laughs> Dynamite Nurses. Dynamite Nurses. Dynamite Nurses is too far. Tanto Cure is where it should be. Like it's in that like healthy, like, you know, like, oh, you're the master and you're taking care of all these maids. But it's also like It's also a butler edition. I need to get that. Yeah, that that's, a, awesome. that's a butler, uh there's a butler expansion where the whole set is just butlers. <laughs> that's cool. I like that. I could actually play that with normal people. I could play that with normies. <laughs> oh man. I have to laugh every time I use the expression normies because I'm just like, man, what what have I become? <laughs> <laughs> I ask myself that every day. So it's okay. That is a common question. That's my favorite anime board game. Okay, so what is your favorite board game board game? I honestly have no flipping clue. Like, that's actually such a hard question to answer. Okay, fine. What is your favorite genre of board games? Euros. Euros, really? I didn't know that. So my favorite is Euros. Because I like Euros because I could play Euros with non-board gamers. It's really easy to go... Man, I'm having this really awkward interaction with my family. Uh, you know what would make this better? If I just bust out this Euro and we just like play that. Right? That's true. So Euros can be complex, but are easy to explain, I think, compared to non-Euro games. Because there's just... Non-Euro games are so th- so much more thematic and nerdy. It's, it requires a lot more buy-in from a normie. Right. Well, so <laughs> Euros are the right balance. Because there are games that are like non-games. So Exploding Kittens, which is your favorite right. example of a game you love to trash on. Uh, it's basically, <laughs> or Apples to Apples, or you know, or the one everyone plays all the time. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Cards Against Humanity. There you go. You nailed it. Like those types of games, I, they're just, there's nothing there. So you play them X times and you're just like, man, I'm kind of done with this. Yeah, yeah. But with Euros, you can just keep, you can just keep playing them. I can play Catan. I can play Carsicon. I can play Ticket to Ride. I can, just, I can just keep playing them. I just have no, like, no matter how many times I play them, I still have a really good time playing them. And that's why that would be my favorite genre. And then my second favorite genre, because I'm an anime fan, would be the most complicated nonsense you can think of. Even stuff that's, like, not necessarily good, but just stuff that I like, like Dark Souls the board game. I will forever sing the praises of Dark Souls the board game. <laughs> All right, so you're literally very opposite spectrum of me. Uh... Cause I like I like simpler games. I like games that don't take more than thirty minutes. I like a lot of party games. Like some of my favorite games are essentially in the party game genre. Like I will never have I will never not bust out code names. Like that is a good game for me. Uh, so like my two spectrum is like those kind of party games, and then like one v one really crunchy games like Battlecon, Exceed, Warriors of Jogu. Um, so yeah, we have nothing in common. This is going to be really good. Well, no, we both like deep <laughs> games. That's our second thing. You just like yeah, party yeah. games, and I like Euros. Yeah, I think... Oh, man, what is... Oh, I love 
I love hidden role games as well. Like party game, I I, I kind of put a lot of hidden role games in the category of party games because they're so light. Like I consider Secret Hitler a party game. Yeah, it is. Just like Werewolf. Werewolf. Yeah, One Night Werewolf yeah. is a party game. But even normal Werewolf is a party game. You just yeah, need twenty four people to make a real game, which I will never be able to do. Uh, I did it at a con once. It was pretty fun. Oh, and I hate hidden role games, in my opinion. But when it's 24 rounds, you get a lot of data. So the, the secret of the werewolf is, since the, it's so long, right? It takes like two hours. Even if you're playing with strangers, which is actually, I think, better. I think it's actually werewolf is more fun with strangers. Really? Because you get to make judgments based on their character, not based off your preconceived notions of who they are. And my biggest problem with hidden role games is people consider me the manipulator. So even if I'm a villager, I am the manipulator. Oh, Eric's in the game. He's the manipulator. We're going to kill him. It's, it's like pointless. <laughs> That's basically my own experience as well. I'm, I'm only fine with hidden role games with people I don't know. Otherwise, hidden role games can go somewhere else and let's play a Euro instead so everyone gets to have fun instead of just people who don't know how to play board games. Oh, it was very elitist, but well, I'm, that's going to lead into my favorite anime board game, which is uh, Shadow Hunters, which is a hidden role game. <laughs> but it's actually super good. Uh, I don't think you've ever played Shadow Hunters because I've never brought it to the table for us. But it's yeah, it's it's essentially werewolf except RPG form. It's anime RPG werewolf where all the players have HP. You have to fight each other with weapons and attacks and you know spells and items. And uh, the hidden roles are hidden, but then you can reveal yourself to activate your character's special abilities. It's very, it's basically if you crossbred werewolf with an anime RPG, it's good. It's very good. I don't get what's anime about this. The art is very anime, and that's about it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, anime board game, anime is art style. So I would say I would not say that anime is an art style. You don't think anime is art style? Oof! Let's get into this. You don't think anime is an art style? What is anime to you, Eric? <laughs> so, so do you do you count Steven Universe as anime? It's not in the anime art style. No, I don't count Steven Universe as anime. It's a cartoon. Ah, see, we're, that's where we disagree. Steven Universe is an anime. What about Avatar: The Last Airbender? That's Avatar in the anime the Last art style. Is a, no, Avatar: The Last Bender is the is a great American cartoon. It's a cartoon. No, nah, it's an through anime. Through. Not, just, not just because of our style, but also because of the way the story is told. Yes, that's what matters. Not the art, not where it was made. It's the way the story is told, the themes, and the way it goes about its tonal shifts. So you're saying, so you're saying Steven Universe is an anime? Yeah, definitely. Because of the way the story is told? The way the story is told, yeah. But I feel like because the story, the way Steven Universe is told as a story is what makes it a cartoon. No. What? Steven Universe is definitely just an anime. It's very episodic, though. Like, it's very, very, like, the episodes... So we're all episodic anime, not anime? Damn. You got me. Or in high school is a cartoon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where are you going with this? I don't understand. I can understand uh, that as an art style or develop or as animation coming from Japan. That's fine. I mean, if that's your definition, I don't care. But when I watch Avatar The Last Airbender, it's a god dang shonen anime. And eh. it's just so similar. Like, and Steven Universe is like a new age kind of hipstery anime. Thanks. That's Whatever. true. I do love Steven Universe. Okay, fine, fine. So not about the actual medium. What about in games? Like, what is an anime video game to you? How would you define it? 
Because it's definitely not mechanics, in my opinion. Um, so, so when you say what is anime, anime has to be a, a TV show, OVA, or movie, in my opinion. But when you apply it as a modifier onto a different thing, it can mean something different. So an anime board game means it, it elicits the anime art style, or it elicits anime themes, uh, tropes, and etc., so similar to how you would apply it to board games, I would apply it to video games. It could be just the art style in that case as a modifier. So, you yeah. know. I would argue it can't be an anime board game without the art. Probably. It probably can't be an anime game without the art. But then there's like, I don't know. Oof, this is a whole bag of worms. All right. This, well... is, a, this, is, a deep, this is a deep concept <laughs> that maybe one day... After discovering and acquiring so much knowledge about anime and anime board games, maybe we'll answer. Yeah, this is the this is the journey you're signing up, dear listener. We are on episode one of this journey, and by episode fifty, we will all come to know what is and is not anime slash anime board games. Anime board games. <laughs> yeah, we'll stick to one one specialty. That wraps up the first two segments of our show. Let's go on to the last segment, which is uh, as we come on guests, you know, various designers, artists in the industry of anime board games. Every single time uh, we will be asking them what their favorite anime is, what their favorite board games are. Uh, and we were going to live slash uploading podcast, so not really live, workshop what a board game based on their favorite anime would look like. And so... Uh, this week, since Eric is our wonderful guest. Eric, what is your favorite anime that you would like to see as a board game? So normally when people ask what my favorite anime is, I automatically respond with Neon Genesis Evangelion. But I feel like in this setting, that may not be the best answer. Because I say that to people who don't actually know anything about anime. So amongst my anime peers... Whatever anime is, we don't really know yet. <laughs> uh, I would probably say that my favorite anime is the Tatami Galaxy. Ah. So I don't think you've seen the Tatami Galaxy, right? You've tried to get me to watch it multiple times, and I still have not, but I know the show. I know the art style. Okay, so the general premise, just because so you, you need to know this, is basically a guy mm -hmm. is going through college, uh, and he's... Kind of attempting to date a girl, but that's not really the main point. So I wouldn't want to see that in the board game. The main premise is that he's going through college uh, and he's he gets to the end of college and he regrets it. And so, spoilers, by the way. All right. So the premise is <laughs> he goes through college and he reaches the end of college and he regrets all of his decisions. And so he basically, have you seen the Groundhog's Day? Yes. So it's basically Groundhog's Day, but for the entirety of college. And on each re-entry to college, he picks a different club to join. So ah. one time he picks the tennis club. One time he decides to be, just get a group of friends and be a troublemaker and all these different various tasks. And so he's trying to come out of college and not regret all of his decisions. Hmm. That's, a, that's a good solid premise. And I'm actually more interested in that show now than previously because you, you never bother spoiling that, that shock value for me yeah but it's not about the shock value also so as modifiers to our thinking uh he is in some ways trying to pursue a girl that goes to the college and he has a friend 
uh, who's kind of always uh, making his life difficult. No matter which choice he goes down, this guy always shows up and he always messes with him. And he doesn't. <laughs> and he always, at the end, he's always like, if I had never met that guy, you know, it would have been fine. But no matter what club he joins, he ends up meeting that guy. So I think I think there is like a board game here, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, board games about time travel uh, are... There's a very anime board game about time travel. Tragedy Looper, I believe. Time Loop? I think it's just called Tragedy Loop. But it's 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 one of those uh, board games that is embraces the anime genre and the art, and it's just a murder mystery game where the players repeatedly jump through time uh, to figure out the murder mystery. It's actually a story driven campaign based board game. It's cool as hell. Uh, yeah, it it is. Uh, I never get to play those kind of games because I don't have friends who will play campaign games with me. Sad, which is why I have to play party games. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, okay. This is definitely a plot-driven game, right? It's got to be a plot-driven game. I don't, I don't think it has to be plot-driven. I think it could be a Euro. You don't think so? I think it could be a Euro. <laughs> Why do you think it could be a Euro? A Euro's <laughs> mechanics have no ties to this theme. <laughs> well, I think it would make a good Euro where, like, you're each attempting to live out your life making decisions, right? Uh, so you basically, you pick a club at the beginning. That's kind of like your character or something along those lines. And then you attempt to maximize your happiness. Uh, and you get bonus points for uh, having a good relationship with the girl. And then the guy always tries to screw with you, like, in your endeavors. Kind of like, oh, have you played uh, Monster Prom? I have played Monster Prom, yeah. Yeah, it could be something like that. It's very just so every player is doing their own thing in a school setting, a college setting. And yeah, like you said, you everybody has their own individual modifiers, but it's it's just a maximization. I, I suppose most maximization games are Euros. That's that's one way you could go, yeah. I could see that working. So, okay. Uh, you pick the... What club are you picking on your first playthrough? Uh, I think the first episode, I don't really remember, but I think it was the tennis club. You pick the tennis club. I will pick the art club. So, what is the, what is the gameplay loop? Um, so thinking on the show, hmm, I see this is tricky because you haven't seen the show, so I need to really explain it. This is going to be one of the problems. We get a guest on and we ask him, hey, what's your favorite anime? Neither of us have seen it. And we try and come up with a show. That's not going to go well. <laughs> but all right. Come up with a game. Um, so the main gameplay loop, I guess, would be trying to get through a day, right? Or maybe get through a semester, maybe? Because then you could have like a limited number of turns. Uh, okay. So each each day is one semester. There's four years, four semesters a year. Boom, perfect. That's a sixteen turn game. Sixteen Dude, round. We did game. it. We did it. We got sixteen turns. We got a real euro. There you go. That's a <laughs> at sixteen round. That's a solid, solid turn count. Uh, on each round, you are figuring out what classes you're taking. Do the, do, does he even go to class or does it purely revolve around his club activities? It's more about the club activities and stuff that happens outside of of class. Education. Yeah, because your education isn't going to change much unless he actually changes majors. And I'd imagine if I got to repeat college, I'd take the same exact major so I don't have to study. <laughs> and maybe not get a D in Japanese this time. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's not really about his school life. It's more about, like, you know, what happens in each day. Okay, so we got a game, 16 rounds. Each round, you're doing something in your semester that 
optimizes your college experience satisfaction meter. Uh, so those activities could be spending time with significant others, friends. What is that big triangle, right? There was that triangle in college. It was like sleep, study, spend time with friends. Pick two. I would hate to. I would hate to put study in there because it's not a. It's not about studying. So, like for example, here are the. Let me spark some inspiration. So here are the clubs, by the way. So he, the first one is the tennis circle, then the film circle, uh, disciples wanted, where he like becomes a disciple of like a a bum essentially <laughs> uh, softball the english conversation circle uh the hero show association circle so like they put on like you know super sentai shows yeah. the <laughs> oh, reading man. circle and, and so the important thing about the show is though is that each time he goes down one of these journeys they things would have interacted across the different journeys and you see that so that can be represented in the game. Like the many different paths the player chose have interactions with each other. Common characters or common events and mm. stuff like that, that some affect the different multiples of the paths and stuff like that. I can see this happening. So, okay. So each round we basically can then essentially give each character. Uh, okay. So you pick a club. I don't think you, this would be a game where each club has their own deck but rather it could be more of a uh, maybe it could be each club could be their it own could be, deck it could be it could be yeah it could be a different deck or it could be purely flavor it doesn't need to be it's just purely flavor yeah and so you're optimizing your own engine every single round by round by round and i think flavor wise of different clubs so i think this the game itself would just be more interesting if you weren't locked into a club at the beginning like in my mind that would be the best way to do it but i guess it would be slightly less right. thematic it's less thematic. I think you definitely lose the theme. I mean, it could have tickers, right? It could be so that, like, you have on your individual board, you have, like, three different events that happen every single time. The one could be the friend that always gets, uh, like, gets in your way meets you. Next one could be the girl mm -hmm. you like rejects you. And the last one could be, I don't know, uh, <laughs> you failing a class, right? Just examples, right? You have those three countdown tracks, and so the various events you do pushes them down towards inevitability. Yeah, and you can take the events from the show. Yeah, your job would be to just push those events that you regret off. So by the end of the 16 rounds, the player who has managed to push off as many events that they didn't want to happen wins. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so maybe not three, maybe like ten. 10 things that happen to this character that he regrets when he graduates college. And so he's going back through it and doesn't want any of these 10 things to happen. So the last thing I would want to work in is, so spoilers, but it should be pretty obvious from the conclusion that at the end, uh, so throughout the show, he's constantly cursing at this friend. He's like, he hates him because he always ruins his life. Or whatever. <laughs> he's just trying to get away from him. And so he's going to go back in time. He doesn't really know he's going back in time. It's just like, Oh, I regret this so much, and then he's just magically placed back in time. He's not aware of oh. his time travel, essentially. Yeah, he, he's just like living it normally every time. Oh, significantly less overpowered. Yeah, no, it's not an isekai. It's not a. It's not like. It's not empowerment fantasy. <laughs> oh man, I won't like it then. <laughs> and so he eventually decides that I'm going to forgive Ozu. And I'm going to help him out of all of his problems because he actually has his own problems. And uh, he comes to realize that like 
any path was fine. He just needed to look at it the right way. Hmm. That's not what I thought you were going to say. What, you thought it was going to be like a really dumb anime twist? Like, the Titans were humans the whole time! <laughs> I, 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 thought, I thought you were going to edit with Ozu was actually a god and this whole thing was a test. <laughs> That's legit where I thought it was going. Yeah. That would have been pretty anime. <laughs> Your, the actual ending is way more mundane than I thought it would have been. But, uh, right, it's an adaption of a now. book. It's not just a, it's not an original anime. It's an adaption of a of a novel. So. Yeah, novels are boring. Exactly. That's why I let Masaki Yuasa <laughs> direct amazing anime, and then I just watch them. <laughs> All right. So I think that was a solid first episode. Not to be too meta about it, but uh, yeah, I think that's where we're going to end today's show. Once again, dear listener, if you have made it this far, congratulations. Thank you so much. My name uh, is Ming. Uh, and today with me is Eric, and we are the host and co-host of the Anime Pulse podcast, presented by Japanime Games. And I hope you will be tuning in next month to catch up with us once again to talk about anime, board games, and anime board games. And this is where we fade out to a song, if we had one. Signing out with Watch Domestic Girlfriend and the Tatami Galaxy.